0: Chapter 32 of Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 32 Hopes. It was the first Sunday Helen had gone to church since her brother came to her. On the previous Sunday he had passed some crisis and begun to improve, and by the end of the week was so quiet that, longing for a change of atmosphere and believing he might be left with the housekeeper, she had gone to church. On her return she heard he was no worse, although he had been a frettin' after her. She hurried to him as if he had been her baby. "'What did you go to church for?' he asked half petulantly like a spoilt child with languid eyes whence the hard fire had vanished what's the use of it he looked at her waiting an answer not much replied helen i like the quiet and the music that's all he seemed disappointed and lay still for a few moments "'In old times,' he said at last, "'those churches used to be a refuge, I suppose. That is why one can't help feeling as if some safety were to be got from them yet. Was your cousin George there this morning?' "'Yes, he went with us,' answered Helen. "'I should like to see him. I want somebody to talk to.' Helen was silent. She was more occupied, however, in answering to herself the question, why— she shrank so decidedly from bringing Bascom into the sick-room, than in thinking what she should say to Leopold. The truth was the truth, and why should she object to Leopold's knowing, or at least being told as well as herself, that he need fear no punishment in the next world, what ever he might have to encounter in this that there was no frightful god who hated wrong-doing to be terrified at that even the badness of his own action need not distress him that he and it would pass away as the blood he had shed had already vanished from the earth ought it not encourage the poor fellow but to what to live on and endure his misery or to put an end to it and himself at once or perhaps to plunge into vice that he might escape the consciousness of guilt and the dread of the law i will not say that exactly such a train of thought as this passed through her mind but whatever sort it was it brought her no nearer to a desire for the light of george bascom's presence by the bedside of her guilty brother at the same time her partiality for her cousin made her justify his exclusion Thus, George is so good himself, he is only fit for the company of good people. He would not in the least understand my poor Poldie, and would be too hard on him. Since her brother's appearance, in fact, she had seen very little of her cousin, and this was not merely because her presence was so much required in the sick chamber, but because she was herself unwilling to meet him she had felt almost without knowing it that his character was unsympathetic and that his loud cold good nature could never recognize or justify such love as she bore to her brother nor was this all for remembering how he had upon one occasion expressed himself with regard to criminals she feared even to look in his face lest his keen questioning unsparing eyes should read in her soul that she was the sister of a murderer before this time however a hint of light had appeared in the clouds that enwrapped her and leopold she had begun to doubt whether he had really committed the crime of which he accused himself there had been no inquiry after him except from his uncle concerning his absence from cambridge for which his sudden attack of brain fever served as a more than sufficient excuse that there had been such a murder the newspapers left her no room to question but might not the relation in which he stood to the victim the horror of her death the insidious approaches of the fever and the influences of that hateful drug have combined to call up a hallucination of blood-guiltiness What at length all but satisfied her of the truth of her conjecture was that, when he began to recover, Leopold seemed himself in doubt at times whether his sense of guilt had not its origin in some one or other of the many dreams which had haunted him throughout his illness, knowing only too well that it was long since dreams had become to him more real than the greater part of what was going on around him. To this blurring and confusing of consciousness, it probably contributed that, in the first stages of the fever, he was under the influence of the same drug, which had been working upon his brain up to that very moment when he committed the crime. During the week, the hope had almost settled into conviction. And one consequence was that, although she was not a whit more inclined to introduce George Bascombe to the sick chamber she found herself not only equal but no longer averse to meeting him and on the following saturday when he presented himself as usual come to spend the sunday she listened to her aunt and consented to go out with him for a ride in the evening however when mrs ramshorn herself who had shown leopold great and genuine kindness would be able to sit with him They therefore had dinner early, and Helen went again to her brother's room, unwilling to leave him a moment until she gave up her charge to her aunt. They had tea, and Leopold was very quiet. It is wonderful with what success the mind will accommodate itself, in its effort after peace, to the presence of the most torturing thought." but helen took this quietness for a sign of innocence not knowing that the state of the feelings is neither test nor gauge of guilt the nearer perfection a character is the louder is the cry of conscience at the appearance of fault and on the other hand the worst criminals have had the easiest minds helen also was quiet and fell into a dreamy mood watching her brother who every now and then turned on her a look of love and gratitude which moved her heart to its very depths not until she heard the horses coming round from the stable did she rise to go and change her dress i shall not be long away from you poldy she said do not forget me helen he returned if you forget me an enemy will think of me His love comforted her, and yet further strengthened her faith in his innocence, and it was with a kind of half-repose, timid, wavering, and glad upon her countenance, how different from the old, dull, wooden quiescence, that she joined her cousin in the hall. A moment, and he had lifted her to the saddle, and was mounted by her side. End of chapter thirty-two Read by John Sherman, Winfield, Illinois.